Hey, well, good morning, Midtown. Good to see you guys this morning. Always fun to see you enjoying each other's company. Uh, my name is Justin, uh, with associate pastor here at Midtown. If I've not met you yet, would love to after service, so uh, come say hi. Want to welcome back all the spring breakers. Anyone coming back from spring break? Students, especially our Beach Reach team. That was an awesome report from, from Josh. And I think we have some of our DR team has made it back to USC Grace, so that's good. Uh, we're going to hear from them probably next week as well, so thank God for what he did over spring break. Um, if you're a visitor here, I especially want to welcome you. Maybe you came with family or friends, or it could just be your first time here. Uh, we're glad that you're here and, and hope that you meet someone new and would love to talk to you after service as well. As you saw from our little intro slide here in our song, we're doing a little two-week series on spring break related to time. If you weren't here last week, I'd really recommend that you go back and listen to the podcast because Jake did a great job speaking on the subject of Sabbath. The idea that God wants us to rest. We tend to think of like talking about God, He's going to pile stuff onto us, but Jake did a great job describing that God is actually pro-rest. He wants us to rest, and the purpose of rest primarily being that we would both remember and we'd reflect. And so God wants us to rest. And so today, we're going to talk about a little bit different subject, uh, still related to time, but we're going to talk about how to make the best use of your time. We're going to look at a scripture that says that. But before we do, I thought we need to tell some jokes, because I was, I was told that I'm the dad joke guy. At first I was offended, but now I'm just going to run with it. So let's, let's, let's think about some jokes about time. Okay, you ready? What kind of dog always knows the time? A watchdog. What do you call your grandfather clock? An old timer. Come on, okay, they're getting better. Why did the scientist drop his wristwatch into the flask? Because he was looking for a timely solution. Oh, there you go, got a couple science people. What does a clock do when it's hungry? It just goes for seconds. Goes back for seconds. Ha ha. What do you call a belt made of watches? A waste of time. There you go. All right. And then these are some quotes that I like about time. Here's a quote. It's, it's astonishing how long it takes to finish something you're not working on. I've, I've experienced that. You students have experienced it. Or, by working faithfully for eight hours a day, you may eventually get to be boss and work 12 hours a day. <laughs> or, related to us uh, who struggle, if at first you don't succeed, try again, then quit. There's no point in being a fool. <laughs> and then, procrastination is my biggest sin. It brings me not to sorrow. I know that I should stop it. In fact, I will tomorrow. <laughs> so, time. It is an important thing for us to talk about uh, because it's one of the things that God gives us to steward. So let me ask you, just in related to time, when it comes to managing your time, do, do you feel like you actually manage your time, or does your time manage you? What would you say? Like, would you say that you kind of sometimes end up at the end of the day, and you think back, I didn't do any of the stuff that I intended to do, because rather than managing my time and controlling my time, it seemed like time got the best of me and controlled me and told me what to do throughout the day. Or maybe put it this way, have you ever had the end of the day thought, I did a lot of stuff that I had to do, but I didn't do any of the stuff that I needed to do? You kind of get caught by the tyranny of what's called the tyranny of the urgent, like all these things that well up that you just have to respond to that prevent you from doing the things that you actually need to do. I think we can all experience that. And let me ask a question uh, before I do. We know that some of us just did a 21-day fast together in the month of February. So those of you who participated in the fast together, how many of you fasted from something, you can raise your hand, that was somewhat time-related? Like I, I talked to a bunch of people and a lot of things were time-related, like I'm going to watch less screen time, or I'm going to give more time to this and take more time away from this. Part of our fast was to say, kind of, I want to assess how I'm doing with my time and maybe 
put some more time into some things that I think are a better priority. Maybe I'm trying to get a hold of my time. And just as, much, as important as last week was, again, go back and listen to the podcast, this whole idea of rest, that God wants us to have rest. We always wrestle with kind of in these gray areas of what is rest and what is waste. Like what's restful time and what's wasteful time. And there's, there's kind of this freedom that we have to do many different things with our time, but we have to wrestle with that question, is it wasteful or is this really restful? And so those are the things we want to talk about some today. And we'll take our passage from um, Ephesians 5, verses 15 through 17, which will appear on the screen here. Really three simple commands that we'll look at. It says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Let me pray. God, I ask uh, specifically, uh, well, we would ask this every Sunday morning, but this morning we ask again that, that your spirit would speak. Uh, specifically, because some of this is just it's individual in how we're going to respond and assess our time. And so we just invite you, Holy Spirit, to speak to each person's heart, given their circumstances and the things that they're committed to. Reveal to us all, God, how we can make the most of our time. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the first command is pretty simple. It just says, look carefully. It's the very first command. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. I take look carefully to basically mean, like, take an assessment. It's the idea of consider where you're spending your time and see what, what, it, what it says about who you are and what you are. Because really, if you think about it, time is like one of the primary ways that we can assess what our priorities are. It's been told that we could actually tell what someone's functional God is if you were to just look at their calendar their checkbook, or we'll say their online account, <laughs> and their thoughts, like truly, like the things that you think about, the things, the places you spend your money, and the things that you give your time to, a real great demonstration of what are the things that you actually prioritize in your life. They reveal what the priority is. And so I think what Paul's writing here in this idea of look carefully, he's saying, look at your life and see where you spend your time, because it's going to reveal something about your priorities. Maybe you guys have used the phrase before, and we're all probably prone to do it, where we say something like, well, I just didn't have time for that. And it's true, like it's probably a true statement, but it might be a little bit more true to say, I didn't make time for that. Or it's even probably more true to say, well, that wasn't a priority for me. Like, if we're really honest, we could take the phrase, I didn't have time for that, like out of our vocabulary. Because really, when we say it, what we're saying is, I gave time to other things that I deemed more important. Now, it, doesn't, it could be that in your heart, or if you were to write down on paper, they weren't as important. But when you get down to it, what you spent your time on reveals a little bit of your heart and your priority and the things that you've chosen to make number one. And so time reveals our priorities. The second thing I think maybe we'd say about this is a look carefully is because there's something that we're called to do, and that's to steward our time. It's like time is actually a commodity. It's like something that God's given us, and we're called to steward it. And stewardship is really just kind of a, a, a sense in the whole what we would say in the Christian worldview is that God is the author of everything. God owns everything. But while we're here on earth, He's given us things to steward, things like relationships that we have, talents that He's given us, money. You may have heard time, talent, treasure. And our time is one of these commodities. And so the whole idea of biblical stewardship is we are supposed to look at our time and say, hey, this is something that God's given me. How then can I best steward it in a way that honors God and brings most glory to Him, that blesses other people? And so that's what he's saying, look carefully because you're called to steward your time. Time's a little, a little unique, though, compared to the other gifts that he gives us. Like if you think talents, we all have different talents, relationships, we all have different relationships and connections. 
uh, treasures. We all have different amounts of money based on what God has given us. But time's a little unique in that we all kind of have the same amount to start with, right? We have 24 hours in a day and seven days in a week and 365 days a year. The only difference individually would be that we don't know how many years we have. (laughs) Some of us are going to have more years than the other, but in a given day, a given week, when we think about our lives, it's actually a commodity that we all have the exact same amount and we're called the stewardship. Now, it doesn't mean, however, that we all have the same circumstances. It doesn't mean that we're all in the same situation because we all have different circumstances, right? We have a different stage of life that give us more freedom or less freedom. We have different jobs that may give us less freedom or more freedom. We have different personalities, and and some of us have different uh, things going on with our health that affect what we can give our time to. We have different families, and people who have marriages now have commitments that those that don't have. Those who have kids now have commitments and priorities that those who don't have. So I'm not saying that we all are on an equal playing field. We all have different circumstances and different commitments based on where God has put us. And that's what makes this topic so difficult because all of our circumstances are different and we all have different priorities based on where God has us. And so the question is then, how do we do what it says here to live not as unwise but as wise? And this requires a lot of wisdom then for us to figure out how to steward our time based on our circumstances and based on the commitments and the people that God's put around us. And so that's why we're advocating, I'm going to advocate today, that we should look carefully, we should scrutinize our schedule and ask some questions and see Are we doing what God really wants us to do? I'm I'm sure that some of that happened for those of you who are fasting. If you fasted for things related to time, now that the fast is over, you've kind of entered back in with some freedom to some things, and maybe it's caused some new habits to to develop, or maybe it's caused you to say, hey, I want to stop doing this altogether, or now I think I'm going to enter back into this in a way that that honors God or is not uh, as committed to it and, and rearrange my life around some different priorities. And so I want to just ask a few questions and hope that this maybe give you a grid, and we're going to hopefully at the end of our time have a few minutes for you just to personally assess and look back at your time. I find it most helpful to look at it in two categories, like activities and then relationships. Like those are the things really where we spend our time. So activities, you might think to yourself, we should have a list up here, how much time do you give at work and study? Maybe you need to do more, maybe you need to do less. How much time do you give for rest and sleep? Great message last week on rest. We're supposed to rest. We're supposed to sleep. Do you do it too much or too little? Time for entertainment and play. Time for exercise and care for your health. And time for your commitment to your church here and various other ways that you might be serving. And so to look at the activities of your life and say, hey, I'm going to take stock of this and see where I've been spending my time. We used to do this with students when I was in campus ministry. We had a course that we called the Spark Course. And in one of the lessons, we actually had the students literally put an inventory of all their time, all their activity. And I think of one student in particular that when he went through his whole inventory, one of the things that stuck out the most to him was that he was actually doing too much church activity. Because as part of the course, we were actually encouraging people not to get stuck in the Christian bubble, but to make friends with people who aren't Christians. We think that's something that God's called us to do, to befriend the world and to love the other people in our lives. Yet he recognized he was spending 22 hours a week within Christian community. And so he began to assess his life and say, if I want to get out of this bubble and start ministering to some other friends, then I've got to make some changes. And he made some changes. So we have to assess our activities, but not only that, we have to look at our relationships. Primarily, first of all, our relationship with God. I know I've talked with many of you who've who've made some changes to the time that you've been giving to your relationship with God after the fast. I know some couples who started reading plans together and actually reading. I love, love to hear that. 
We've had people who've said, yes, I'm going to make more time for God. Or you think your relationships with your family or with your kids. I know I talked to several of you who were making some time adjustments during the fast and you were wrestling the question of not just quality time with your kids, but, but quant- uh, not just quantity time, but quality time. Like, what do we do together that's actually me pouring into their lives in a way that's building them up as disciples? And so that's a, another area of, of relationships, your, your family, your kids. Within your Christian community here at the church, where should you assess your time? Are you giving too much or are you giving too little to your Christian community? And then, like I just mentioned, time with your friends that are outside of your Christian community. These are all areas, our activities and our relationships that I think we're supposed to look carefully at and do an assessment to see where are my priorities if I was to be honest with my schedule. So that's the first command. The second command is to make the best use of our time. In verse 16, it says, make the best use of your time because the days are evil. Make the best use of your time because the days are evil. I think I take from this the idea like make a plan. Like you've taken an assessment, but then you want to proactively make a plan. It's kind of like budgeting. Those of you guys who've budgeted, like there's one avenue of budget, which is like at the end of the month, I want to see where all of my money went, right? And you might look at it, and then you can look at it and say, well, here's maybe where my priorities are. But how many of you know that budgeting isn't just that part? Like you can't just at the end of every month go, well, now I know where it all went. Like you're supposed to say, well, what are my priorities, and where do I need to redirect my resources? There's a different part of budgeting that's not just the assessment. What you're supposed to do then is determine what your priorities are, what your values are, saying here are the things that are most important, and then you make a plan to start allocating your budget toward different things, not just assessing it. And I think Paul's saying the same thing here with our time. Do the same thing. Take an assessment, look back, but now make a plan and look forward. But the first thing you have to do if you're going to make a plan looking forward is you have to prioritize. You have to determine, like, what are my priorities? I found that to be real helpful, a a book that I read probably like a decade ago or so. It's Seven Habits for Highly Effective People. It's not really a a Christian book. It's written by a a Mormon, I believe. But I found it to be pretty helpful, and I actually found it pretty wild that a lot of the things that he recommends in the first three of the seven uh, uh, habits of effective leaders really fit with the way that this passage rolls out. He He talks about the first habit being being proactive. That means taking personal responsibility. It means you can't just say, well, my life is chaos, there's all these circumstances, and that's where, where I'm at. His basic point on the first habit is, is effective people don't look at life that way. They say, I'm in charge of my time and my life, and I have to be proactive and make the changes that need to happen. Second, he says, begin with the end in mind. If you were to read the book, he actually talks about writing a personal vision statement for your life and writing out really concretely, here are my values. These are the things that I'm giving myself to. I've got a vision. I've got values. And then you can move to the third of the habits, which is to put first things first. Now that you know what your vision is, you know what your values are, now you begin to align your schedule. He goes into great detail about how you can do it with every year and month and week and day and really break it down. I have a good friend. Some of you guys met him. You all know Rusty Teeter. He's the uh, campus pastor at the Texas Wesley, one of my favorite campus ministers I ever work with. And about 15 years ago, he read this book, and he told me one of the things that it did for him is it made it so easy for him to say yes and no to things because he created a, a vision statement for his life and he says, now it's really easier for me to say no to things when, when I get presented with opportunities. I quickly run it through this grid of what I already know I made to be my vision and my values for my life. And so now I know how to say yes and no really quickly to things. It was revolutionary for him. But the question is for us, we don't want to be like effective people. Like that's a good, good book, a good title, but I wouldn't say that's the vision of a disciple, of us growing as disciples. 
that we don't want to just be effective. So I'd like us to think about this a little bit differently and think to ourselves, how can we approach the same idea or how do we apply these commands and even maybe something we can learn through the seven habits, but what does it mean for us and our priorities? And I would su- suggest that, that the, our view as believers in Christ is very different from the priorities of the world. We're not going after pleasure or fame or prosperity. We're not seeking the, the best careers. The thing that we should think, seek above all else is God. And, and what we really should want is our deepest priority is just to grow as a disciple. That's our number one goal, like to grow as a disciple. But the question then becomes like, well, then how do we do that individually? What's, call, what's God calling each of us to do in this phase of our life? And how can we align our time to grow as a disciple? One of the things I love about Midtown is that we're part of an association of churches. Most of you know that, but maybe some of you don't. It's called the Association of Hill Country Churches. There's 26 churches all around Austin and greater Austin area. And I love it that we have this network of churches that work together. And one of the things that's in the vision of all these Hill Country churches is we say our primary vision is to see the day when every man, woman, and child in Austin will hear the gospel from someone who loves them. And then we have three primary strategies to do that. One is by making disciples, two is by planting churches, and three is by partnering with like-minded ministries. And this summer, the Association of Churches spent a good time this summer talking about that first step. Like, if we want to reach every man, woman, and child, the primary way we're going to do that is by multiplying disciples. But the question is, what kind of disciples are we trying to create? And so it was really great to be part of an association where these churches for, the, for three months had conversations and, with each other and in their churches each of them were kind of tasked with the idea of like coming up with what would you say is the type of disciples you're trying to produce. In our church, among, among a couple others, everyone had freedom to define their own way, but we defined ours in a really simple way, that the gospel-saturated disciple-makers are people who are growing these four areas, as a worshiper, a servant, a witness, and a disciple-maker. If you look at the worshiper and servant, that's really like the great commandment. That we're supposed to love God with all our hearts we're supposed to love people as ourselves. And, and the other one's more related to the Great Commission, that we're supposed to go make disciples of all people, baptizing them by being witnesses and leading them to faith, and then teaching them to obey everything that, that Christ has commanded. That's making disciples. And so we've come to a really, uh, it's not like perfect, but we think that everything really in discipleship can be contained in these four things. And so given that that's our church's vision, I'd, I'd suggest as a starting spot, when you think about your time and your priorities, I'd encourage you to ask the question, like, how am I growing as a worshiper? How am I growing as a servant? How am I growing as a witness? Or how am I growing as a disciple maker? And making these part of, if not a major part, of the vision and values for your life. The thing that's unique about the Christian perspective, rather than just kind of a seven habits type of thing, is we're asking a bigger question than not necessarily like, what am I trying to do, but who am I trying to become? And that's the more important question. Like, what kind of leader do I want to be? What kind of father or mother do I want to be? What kind of missionary do I want to be? That's why what I'm going to suggest that we do sometime this week is really spend some time both looking carefully back, but then actually thinking about what our priorities are and then begin to make plans that fit within those priorities. When Jake and I were kind of working on this series, he came across this quote that that we found pretty, um, pretty true by Bill Hybels. Uh, pastor says this, sitting down before God with a calendar and a submitted spirit is one of the holiest things you can do. Putting a schedule together is not so much about determining what you're trying to get done. It's about deciding what you want to become, the kind of husband or wife or father or mother, what kind of friend, and then asking follow-up questions, what needs to be put into my schedule so that I can become that kind of person? 
And so I would recommend that you would do this individually. And, and those of you who are married, that you would do this as a household. And you would say, husband and wife would get together and say, what kind of people do we want to become? And it's a very holy thing for you to get before God and, and open up your hands and say, God, I'm going to commit myself to whatever you would have me do and help me now actually take these priorities and move them into my calendar. Seems like kind of a worldly thing, but I'm here to say it's not. It's a way to honor God and be stewards of our time. In fact, if you were to look back at this command, this whole command to make the most of your time, the actual Greek reading of it is to redeem your time, which means kind of like to buy back. It's like your time got away from you, and now what you have to do is you have to buy it back. You have to bring it back under your control to purchase it back. And so we've all got this commodity of time. What we want to do is we want to seek God and say, what are the priorities for my life, and what would you have me do? One more word before I suggest a few more questions for you. One of the things I think is a tendency is we tend to sometimes think, well, I'll do that after I get past this hurdle. Like, we all have certain, like, hurdle points in our life, like, well, once I finish this class, or once I move into this job, or once my child's past this age, or whatever the case would be, we've got these different things that we put before ourselves, and we tend to, like, put off making these changes because we think, well, once that happens, then I'll start to do this. But I'm here to say there's always another hurdle, and we all know it, right? And so the time to do this is now no matter what your circumstances are. And it might be that you get past that circumstance and then there is some greater freedom that then you just reassess and do the same process all over again. So I would ask us, and I hope before we end today that we're actually going to have a few minutes where you can ask yourself these questions to bring these questions before God. First, what does my current use of time reveal about my current priorities? What do you want my priorities to be? How should I arrange my time to reflect these priorities? And what activities should I be making more or less time for in order to reflect these priorities? And similarly, what people should I be making more or less time for to reflect these priorities? We're going to put these up at the, at the end before we go into worship and want to give you some time to actually ask these questions. But before we do, we'll move on to the third command, which is verse 17. Do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So this requires us thinking about our time, asking God for wisdom, finding our priorities, but really the aim of it is for us to determine what the Lord's will is for our life. Like, God, what would you have me do? And to come before Him and say, how would you have me arrange my time? Well, I want to say that there's a few things when we think about God's will. The, the first part of God's will is God's prescriptive will. So you might say, well, what is God's will for me? Well, the easiest thing in the first answer is that God has a prescriptive will. That means it's the, the things that God clearly commands that we're supposed to do. So I don't have to pray about whether I should steal, whether I should take revenge, or whether I should commit adultery, or whether I should lie, or whether I should covet. Like, we know what God's called us to do, and this is called His prescriptive will. And His prescriptive will is really this broad circle around the great commandment that we're called to love God and love people. The Bible says multiple times that all of the law, all of God's commands are summed up in this one commandment, to love God and to love people. And we know that we're called, as he, as he spoke to his last disciples when Jesus said, you're called to go make disciples. And so the question is how? And if I had like a, a whiteboard, I'd probably draw, I've done this with students many times, you just draw a giant circle and you just say this, this barrier of the circle is God's prescriptive will, which is really just love God, love people, go make disciples. The trick is within that circle of God's will, there's tons of freedom. So you can take this job or that job you can play a video game or you cannot play a video game. You can have a quiet time or you can go for a run. You can go have dinner with your neighbor that's not a believer. You can go hang out with someone in our church. 
but really the prescriptive will is our boundaries. The idea of seeking God's wisdom is asking, now how do we do this within all the freedoms that we have? You might call that our personal will, that for each of us, given the different places where God has us in life, we have to seek God for our personal will. Like, I know God, you definitely are calling me to do everything within this circle, but for me personally, where I'm at right now with my time and my schedule, what would you have me do? And these are usually things that are morally neutral. And so it's not like there's a right or wrong because it's all within that great commandment. But the question is then how do we do it? And I love that, that there's a couple guidelines I think that really help. You could probably list several, but I just want to list three to help you navigate how to walk through finding God's personal will for you regarding time. The first is in the very next, birth, uh, very next verse in Ephesians 5. I call this the spirit guideline. It says, don't get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. The first way that we're really to determine what God's will is, directly following that command, Paul gives this command, don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. The idea is when you're drunk with wine, right, you're not making good decisions because you're under the influence of something else that's going to cause you not to do what you want to do. The idea of being filled with the Spirit, he's, he's contrasting these two to say, when you're filled with the Spirit, you're going to be doing naturally what God wants you to do. And so the best thing that you can do if you're trying to determine God's will, honestly, is just to walk with God, like to spend time with God, to pray and submit your calendar to Him, to read His Word and know more about God's prescriptive will. And the more that you seek God in His prescriptive will, you're going to sense His voice, His leading regarding all those decisions inside the circle of this personal will. And so the best thing that you can do is just personally seek God. Ephesians 5 says, be filled with the Spirit. I love Galatians 5, really similar passage. It says, keep in step with the Spirit. So there's this idea that we're, we're walking with God and we're keeping in step with Him, step by step, every place that God would want us to go. So the best thing you can do is just submit your whole life to God, walk with Him, and trust that the Spirit will lead you into making those decisions. Similar, similarly said in Romans 12, it says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So how do you understand God's good, pleasing, and perfect will for you? It starts by presenting your life to Him as a living sacrifice and saying, I'm completely yours, God seeking Him to the degree that then He starts to renew your heart, renew your mind, and your desires become like His, and you can trust that the Holy Spirit is leading you to make all these decisions related to your time. That's the Spirit guideline. But then there's also the counsel guideline. It's in the same verse. Don't get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another. It's kind of implicit within there, like how do you get led by the Spirit? Part of being led by the Spirit is speaking to one another. It's the conversations that you have in your midtown communities or in your huddles, which is our discipleship formats within UT. I mean, within the midtown and at UT and midtown college. So what we have to do is we have to talk with others. And so if you were to do this and spend some time and, and take an assessment and make plans for the future, the, the best thing that you could do after that, other than walking with God, is now get in community with others and say, hey, here's some things that I think God's put in my heart. Will you help me navigate this? Does this seem like it's right? Do you feel like this is the best use of my time? I know in my, my huddle that we have on Friday mornings, a number of our conversations lately have been 
conversations about the wasteful versus, versus restful time. Like, what are the things that we do with our time that can either be wasteful and restful, and how do we help each other navigate that? Because to make these decisions, to walk wise with our time, it'd be best if we would seek out community with others, ask each other for help, accountability, and wisdom, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And finally, there's one more guideline that God gives us, at least one more. We'll stop at this one, though, is the freedom guideline. See, there's a lot of things that we have that we can do within that circle, but the question is, like, what would Scripture say about helping me make decisions of what to do with my time within that circle? And I find these two verses in 1 Corinthians to be extremely helpful. 1 Corinthians 10 says it this way, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do everything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. And then in 1 Corinthians 6, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. So when you're assessing your time, these scriptures have a lot to say about some questions that you should ask yourself. The first is, is this beneficial? Is this constructive? So if I'm doing this and I've lined up what my priorities are and here's what I want to see God produce in me, here's who I want to become, you ask the question, is this activity, is this relationship, is it constructive? Is it helpful? Is it moving me toward that end? It's a great way to determine what things you should do with your time in the areas where there's freedom. Second is, is it loving? It says, do nothing that's not in the good of others. That's always a question to ask. Like, is this thing that I'm doing with my time does it actually help others? The, the context here was an issue about meat sacrificed to idols and different views that people had. And Paul was saying, you need to do what's most loving in this situation. And then, of course, the last one, am I mastered by it? There's freedom to do everything, but the question is, are you mastered by it? Maybe you experienced some of that, those of you who were participating in the 21-day fast. It gave you a chance to kind of assess, like, this thing that I do where there's freedom, am I mastered by it or can I master it? Like, is it restful or is it worshipful? What am I supposed to do with my time? That's a great question to ask. Can I stop? Is this mastering me or am I still in control of it? And so I want to ask you guys this week to do something real simple, just to go before God and ask those same three questions, to look carefully, look back at your time and take an assessment. Then think, what are my priorities? What are the things that, that I really want to see God produce in me? What are my priorities for my life? What are my values for my life? And then make a plan. Like, look at your calendar and think about how am I tangibly going to take the things that I know God's calling me to do, and I know God wants me to be, and now how am I going to do that in my day, with my time? So I want to give us a few time, a few minutes before we take communion. The band's going to come up, and they're just going to play a little bit in the background, because I want to give you a few minutes just to do this for a few minutes now, although it would take much more time. And I want to bring back up the questions that, that I suggested. I think they might be on two slides, but we'll, we'll make the best of it. Would be to ask those same questions. What does my time currently reveal about my current priorities? What do I want to be my priorities? And now how would I change my schedule and my activities and my relationships? How would I change those in order to reflect the priorities that I want in my life? I think particularly as we come to a time of communion, uh, we have communion up here at the front. It's open for everyone who's put their faith in Christ. And so I would encourage you just to seek God for a few minutes. And when you feel the freedom, come receive communion at the front or in the back. In particular, when I was thinking about communion as it relates to this message, I was reminded that particularly in the passages in John, 
Uh, in John, when, when Jesus is with his disciples in the upper room, we get these lengthy conversations that he has. It is the conversations where he says, this is my body that's broken for you, and this is my blood, which is the new covenant. But before that, many times before in that passage, he's promising them that there's going to be a Holy Spirit. He's leaving, but he's sending the Holy Spirit that will lead them into all truth. And so I'd encourage you as you take communion to remember what Christ has done for you, and also to ask that you would be filled with the Spirit, and that the Spirit would guide you into all truth, into how you should leave your time. Let me pray for us. Again, God, we know that um, we're all in different places in life and circumstances. And so this requires a lot of wisdom, which is exactly what was commanded, to, to look carefully at our time and, and to not do what's unwise, but to do what's wise. And so today, God, we, we ask for each of us that you'd give us that wisdom, that we'd have that wisdom in this few minutes right now and and even whatever you speak to our heart beyond that the rest of this week, we'd make time to, to hear from you. We thank you that you're a God who does reveal your will, a God who, when we walk with you, speaks to us and gives us direction and discernment. We ask that you would lead us. We do celebrate you, Jesus, and we thank you for your death, your resurrection that we celebrate as we take communion as well. In Jesus' name, amen.